Dungeons and Drimbus is rated R for rude language, rough violence, and raunchy humor. I do declare here's what happened previously on Dungeons and Drimbus. After retrieving the objective at Firefall Valley, the girls ride back with a new guest, a baby Gregan. They successfully tame it on the way and arrive back at the lighthouse to a very pleased Hagatha, who introduces them to her larger organization, the Lords of Law and Correction. A group of lack-minded individuals unhappy with the results of the court system looking to overturn it and establish a new hierarchy of power. With their first mission complete, the gals celebrate as they are indoctrinated to the LLC. I do declare, your honor is back in Saturn. Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey everyone, it is your friendly neighborhood GM, John Carlo Herrera here, and today I wanted to tell you about an awesome show called Looters. It is an actual play podcast where a hilarious cast of friends go on dramatic, action-packed, sci-fi western adventures in a universe full of different factions vying for control over the Outer Rims. I love a good sci-fi western mix, the cast is so much fun to listen to, and it's played on the Stars Without Number game system, which is really fun to hear in audio. I really think listeners of Drimbus would enjoy it, so please check out this trailer, and if it intrigues you, go check them out at looterspodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Alright, enjoy. Hey, we're the Looters. Hey, what's up? Looters is a sci-fi western actual play podcast using the Stars Without Number system. We're a group of friends getting into trouble all over the universe. So come with us if you're into adventure. A rocket flies out of one of these ships far behind you and crashes into the wall and blows up. There's rockets? It's Mario Kart. Crazy. Intrigue. Can I hack into the body and maybe see if they have like a memory data bank in their brain or some shit like that that I can access? Metal, literally. <laughs> Devastating physical injury. <laughs> Just uh, take cover. Okay. She's a good pilot, everyone. <laughs> She's very good. And friendship. New episodes of Looters out every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, it's your DM here. Just real quick before we get into the episode, I wanted to take a second to talk to you about an awesome new show we've been really loving called Of Mice and Men and Monsters. It's a great new show that combines actual play D&D with classic literature. If you're a fan of the classics like Frankenstein, Moby Dick, The Count of Monte Cristo, and Oliver Twist, well then you're in luck because they have campaigns that have already gone through all of those worlds in their D&D setting, and they are just starting a new campaign set in the world of the Great 
Gatsby. So you've got plenty of options and it is a great time to join in both for veteran players and newbies alike. But don't take my word for it. Stick around till the end of the episode to hear a promo. And now, back to the episode. Jessica, you wake up with your head pounding. Mm. You don't remember much of last night, but you remember there being plenty of wine and mead. You wipe some crumbs and dirt off your face as you rise off the purple shag carpet. Barb approaches you with a tray of tea. Hi, good morning. Do you want... Yeah. Am yeah. I being too loud? Uh, no, 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 no. That's the, you're, you're doing just fine, honestly. It's just, Okay, uh, here, would you, you know. like a cup of tea? We got chamomile, oh. we got peach, we got mint, we got... The other ones, I, I don't know. I just found some bags in you the know. cabinet and started dump, dumping it in water, so... I think the mint is going to be very nice, settling <gasps> the stomach and mm-hmm. all that good thing. So, yeah. Just just hand me the cup, please. Okay, and Barbara's going to hand her the cup of mint tea. Jessica takes the cup of mint tea and and takes a nice long sip. Mm. That's right. Drink the mint tea. There you go. No, please, keep, keep, keep. Mm Mm-hmm. Heavenly. Ah, my goodness, my... Thank you, Barbara. That... Already, I feel just so much better. It feels like a long rest, I have to tell you. Oh, my. <laughs> and it is. <laughs> and as you guys are enjoying this cup of tea, you hear, Good morning, dearies. Or should I say afternoon? As Hagatha descends from her room on the uppermost floor, looking pristinely put together. How are you holding up? Ah, jeez. You know, I didn't even know it was the afternoon already. My... And Jessica, seeing how well put together Hagatha looks, she kind of looks around for her mirror. Roll an investigation check. Oh, no. Not natural 20. Okay, you find it. It is not far from you. Your purse is nearby and it is in your purse. I find the purse, I go in there and I grab the mirror and I see how I'm looking, see if I'm very disheveled or not. And then I... Oh, oh, golly. Uh, Oh, boy. We had quite the night, didn't we? Oh, yeah. You bet we did. (laughs) And Jessica tries to, like, make her hair presentable, but, like, she is going to need time and a lot of care (laughs) uh, to really kind of get it together. Just please don't even worry about it. Look at me. Come on. And, I mean, Bob doesn't look that bad. She's a warforge. She took a wig off and she looks pretty pristine. But, Mm. But please, Jess, you're amongst friends. Okay, we had a long night. It, it, it makes sense. Well, yeah, I, I it sure would. And uh, Jessica tries to start dusting herself off as she goes, ah, well, what do we have on the agenda today, ladies? Well, and suddenly you hear a knock at the door. Oh. Hagatha pops a mirror open and says, oh, just a moment. She closes the mirror and heads to the front. I didn't know we were expecting company. Oh, jeez. And Jessica, like, redoubles her efforts to try to look presentable. Roll a performance check for me. Or a charisma check for me. Oh, no, not the charisma check. Oh, okay, 18. Okay, you spit in your hands, you rub them together, you smooth that hair out. 
Barb uh, pulls out some dry shampoo, puts it into your hands, wow. uh, and and you wow. fix it up. You you find a little discarded makeup wipe. I get rid of my raccoon eyes from the yeah, from yeah. the previous night. The, oh, you know, you always need to take off that mascara. I always tell myself, but I always forget sometimes when I'm drinking. My goodness. I'll, oh, don't worry. I'll make sure to remind you next time, okay? Thank you, Because there will be a next time, you hear me? <laughs> I bet. I bet. I hope there will be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and after a minute or two, Hagatha pops back in alone and says, Well, I've got good news for you. When you're working with Miss Christie, you get the presidential treatment. That obsidian was sent off to our smith, and look what just got dropped off. And she pulls out two small hand mirrors. <gasps> now, with your mirrors of far reach, you should be able to cast just about anywhere, so long as there is another terminal at your desired location. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Yeah, I get that. I just... I, I don't know what to say. I'm just pleased as punch. I... Oh, my goodness. And Jessica very graciously accepts the mirror of Far Reach. No worries, dearies. Now, if you really want to thank me, you're going to have to do a little something for me. Why don't we pop into Barbara's office downstairs? I thought last night was doing enough, but okay. And Barbara starts heading downstairs. Barbara, that was off the clock. Fine. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's No, you're right. Not like I wouldn't do it for you anyway, Haggy. Come on. <laughs> and you guys pop down, and... Barb, what's your what's your office slash living quarters look like right now? Oh, I am so... Oh, right now? Oh, well, I'm... No, no, no. I'm so glad you asked. Whilst everyone else was sleeping, okay, Barb was up, and she was tidying up at least her office. She hasn't gone upstairs yet. So, her office is very, very clean. The couches are pristine, white. There is not... I mean, for three cats, there is not a single hair off of those cat's head that is in this room. And I am very proud to say that, thank you. It's very organized, okay? Everything is in its place and every place is very, very clean and tidy. And there's art on the walls, very kind of like boho chic, but imagine it D&Dized, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's that kind of style. So I don't know exactly what that would look like, but at, we, you know, I don't know, who knows? Maybe one day we'll make boho D&D artwork for houses anyway super clean pillows are puffed there is tea is still hot on the pot in like a little i don't know like its own little i like a hat plate kind yeah like a hot plate for tea got one downstairs in her office because she drinks tea sometimes there are flowers candles are going it smells delicious like a you walk into a big old cupcake but it's not too overwhelming you know what i mean so incredible yeah really nice Nice place you got here. Talking to myself. <laughs> I was just about to say the same darn thing. I just think, oh, this is exactly what I would expect an office to look like of this kind of a quality operation. I just, you oh know, my gosh. I am just so pleased as punch to be here. I know I keep saying it, but I just have to repeat myself sometimes. Oh my gosh, yes, stop it. But thank you. Please don't stop. Continue if you'd like. Yes, I work very hard. Miss <laughs> Felcher, I'll see if I can get you set up somewhere in town. Uh, now that we've relocated you. But on to the mission at hand. Your goal, ladies, is to sow discontent with the court system by any means necessary. Now, I think the key is to blame the system. And I think we've just had an opportunity slide across us that I'd like to offer to you. See, 
There is an island off the coast of the Fingers, Isla Libre. It has remained untouched by civilization for centuries, given rise to unique and exotic flora and fauna. That is, until a few years ago. This, and Hagatha snaps her fingers and conjures a minor illusion, uh, almost like a hologram again, like she had done last time when she was briefing you. This is Michelle Crichton. She's a zoologist and the head of Crichton Enterprises, who has spent the last few years developing the island into a sort of luxury megazoo. As of this summer, they've been open to guests. I see you. I see you smiling, <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> as of oh, this no. summer. Oh, no. As of this summer. You said no violence. As of this summer. <laughs> Stop interrupting your boss. I'm sorry, I got excited. As of this summer, they've been open to guests who are willing to cough up the gold to go on a guided exotic safari experience. However, two weeks ago, some security system seems to have failed. Oh my gosh. The animals got ate and havoc ensued. Oh my gosh. Guests were killed. With animals loose and panicking people, more of the systems were brought down, leading to more animals and more death. Reports say the guests were led to believe there would be multiple evacuation trips. However, the captains were ordered to get the boats off the island and prevent anyone from returning. They evacuated what guests they could and have since left those lost on the island to their own devices. Oh. Those beings include Miss Crichton, who is believed to still be alive somewhere on this island. Why she would have made this call, we do not know. But seeing as the island is technically private property now, no one has dared head back since there are armed guards keeping watch at the docks. Isla Libre pertains to the court of the Northern Isles. This particular court has thus far managed to elude the grasp of the LLC entirely. Judge, reclaimers, attorneys, they're all operating of their own accord. One such attorney, and she conjures a different illusion, is Christoph Goldthwaite. And you see the face of a Leshen, this big sort of tree-like creature. Word is that his wife, Rachel Goldthwaite, was among the passengers trapped on Isla Libre. With all travel to and from currently shut off, he's gathering the rest of the anxious families and attempting to put together what he's calling a class action lawsuit. You've got a perfect opportunity here to show them the weaknesses of the court. Find a way into Isla Libre, recover Miss Crichton, and use the courts against the people. Oh, and if you can find us a foothold in the court of the Northern Isles while you're at it, that'd be appreciated too. Okay, okay, uh-huh, okay. And the whole time Barbara has had a notepad in her lap and she's been uh-huh. taking, uh, you know, notes as you talk. And how, how, sorry, Haggy, and how would you spell uh, Crichton? C-R-I-C-H-T-O-N. Okay, yeah, definitely not what I had. Okay, okay. Actually, that name sounds rather familiar. I have to say, you know, does she does she happen to have like a brother who's a novelist or something? You know, yes, I think his name is Robert. 
Oh. <laughs> I must have been thinking of somebody else. So just to just to make sure I've got this right. We are not representing Kristoff and the rest of them. No. Here's the deal. Miss Crichton is currently on the island. Yes. We believe she is still alive. Christoph Goldthwaite is currently attempting to put together a class auction lawsuit. However, this all hinges on them having someone to sue. So, you go find Michelle, and we build a defense for her. Okay, gotcha. Sounds like a plan. Yes, it does. Okay. Like I said, this is a small island off the coast of the Fingers. You'll have to head up to one of the northernmost Fingers. It's called Los Marineros. Oh, spicy. It's a small town, and uh, it has a dock there where all of the Crichton Enterprises' boats are still docked. In fact, I believe a number of the guests are still at that place. Problem is... The guards have been instructed not to allow anyone back onto the island. And since it's private property, they have full rights to defend themselves should they see anyone trespassing. So, your first task is going to be to figure out a way onto the island. Huh. Okay. Okay. I'm sure we can come up with something. Yeah, some out-of-the-box thinking. I think we got it. Right. She pulls out that map on the desk that she had also used previously, and she points. You see the fingers, the, the four fingers kind of jutting out on the map of this region. She points to the second finger from the top, and she says, Los Marineros is right over here, so it's going to be roughly another you know, day, day and a half's journey to get there. Okay, better stock up on some carrots for Tony. And a few for popcorn. Why not? Oh, of course. Of course. Also, what do you propose I do with that beast out there? Oh, I was thinking that perhaps that he would come along. Do you think he's going to be well-trained enough? Well, no, nothing like experience in the field to really kind of get you where you need to be, but that is a good point of concern. And since you are an NPC saying that, it does give me pause. <laughs> I'm, I'm just concerned. I don't know what your approach is going to be, but if by any chance you want to take a stealthy one, I don't know how, how stealthy Hangi is going to be. Yeah, you know, that's, that is a, that's, that's a very good point, Hagatha. Is there like a, I mean, I know we live in a lighthouse here, but is there like a, like a doghouse on the outside or something that we could, like, establish for him? No, but I can I can have someone come over and whip something up. Oh. Okay. That, 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 thank you. That's, that's very gracious of, is there any uh, way I can assist with that? Ah, uh, I don't suppose you have the gold for it. And if you did, it'd be mine anyways. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that's a valid point. I'll take care of it, dearie. Don't you worry. I do happen to have 150 gold on me. Well, I think, you know, roughly 75 should cover it. Wonderful. And uh, Jessica takes out her purse and counts out 75 gold for Hagatha. Okay. I respect it. <laughs> I mean, you gotta pay your way, right? Even if it is just your money coming back to you. I guess my plan to steal your pet from you isn't going to work after all. Just kidding, of course, dearie. <laughs> You're just so dang silly. You know, you, you had me there for just a half a second. <laughs> uh, and I kind of playfully, 
give her a little bop on the shoulder. She bops you back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Well, I suppose we better stock up and head for the fingers. Oh, yeah, I think it's time for us. Time to for a little finger action. Oh, don't worry about that. Oh, Jess, please, took care of that last night. Don't worry about it. I think it's time <clears> for <throat> us to get ready, though. Whew. Hagatha wipes some sweat away from her forehead a little bit. When she gets flustered, you see her hand kind of like, you don't quite see the feathers, but it like curves in a little bit. You see her her nails almost get a little bit longer as if they're about to go back into the clod shape, but they don't. (laughs) Anyways, best of luck, ladies. Thank you, Higgs. Thank you, Haggy. We're halfway there. Chicken broth half off. Chicken broth half off. This, this is the Halftime Act with Terrence J. See you, sucker. <laughs> oh, 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 hey. Hey there, Trim Bass. It's your boy, TJB, here. Now, I know, I know. You're like, where's Nicky B, the lovable scamp? Let's just say he's a little, uh, tied up at the moment. But anyway, those girls are so crafty, right? I mean, at least I think. Still can't listen to the episodes. Just just put me in, coach, please! It's okay. It's, it's fine. No, I just have to find a way, you know? Improvise. Adapt. Overcome. I just gotta get as crafty as those girls. Even craftier. Perhaps it's time we visit the man himself. (laughs) Monique, you think you're so crafty. They don't call me the crafty rogue for nothing. Oh, Bertram. Come. Yes, that's a good spell book. Yes, that's a good spell book. (laughs) Ah, yes. You see, an uncrafty rogue would put spells in the spell book for the crafty rogue. Put spells on the spell book. <laughs> Bertram, why don't you go fetch Mama? <laughs> yes. Oh, Monique, if you think your little invasion was unforeseen, you will come to find a battle you have no chance of winning. Do you notice something is missing, particularly over there in the empty bookcase? It was that very uncrafty lawyer. I agree. If you need reinforcements, head to the back door marked etsy.com slash shop slash the crafty rogue shop. 
The code word is Drimbes. It'll make things 10% easier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Monique, you never get between the mother and her babies. I'm <laughs> 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 so crafty. That's one crafty bastard. What was that? Shit, I think somebody's coming. Anyway, you know I gotta thank you special patrons at home. Jerry Benetanos, thank you. Queso Loco, thank you. Victoria Madrid, thank you. Greta Beignet, you know I gotta thank you. Alejandro Lopez, thank you. Ace Andrew, thank you. Thomas Murphy, thank you. And Miss Craig, you know I gotta thank you. Regina Russell, thank you. Morgan Holly, thank you. Salty, Thank you, Adrian Bundy. Thank you, Sam Olivos. The craftiest of thank yous, Jordan Cobb. Thank you, the unnamed rogue. Thank you, John Gillette. Thank you, Chloe G. Thank you, the man, the myth, the legend, Con Air on DVD. Thank you, NB Star. Thank you, Stevie B. Keys. Thank you, Doubtful Guest. Thank you, Michael Richters. No, I gotta thank you, Davis Walden. Thank you, Fina Moonstrider. Thank you, and Denny Dewdrop. No, I gotta thank you. Be well, friends. Duh. I'll see you next time. Maybe. Hey, Nikki. Long time no see. No hard feelings, right? I mean, I just... Hi. I'm Yusuf Dahl, and when I was 18, I was convicted of selling drugs. For the past three years, I've had difficulty finding housing because it is legal in the United States to discriminate against individuals that have a past drug distribution conviction on their record for life. It doesn't matter if it was a hard drug like heroin or a drug that's now legal or partially legal in many states across the country like marijuana. The Thurman Amendment was introduced to the Fair Housing Act in 1988 by segregationist Strom Thurmond, and it's since been used to deny housing to all people. But because people of color are disproportionately jailed for drug charges, we are affected more. My goal is to overturn this amendment to start an end to housing discrimination that unfairly targets people of color. If you would like to join this movement, please visit ThurmanAmendment.org to learn more. A message from the Fable and Folly Network. Okay. Y'all riding? Yeah, I think we have to. And as Jessica rides, I think she might want to like look through her spell book okay. to see if she wants to like prep anything for a for a more stealth styled mission. Okay, you may do so. It takes a day and a half, so we can say that you take a, a significant rest at one point to prepare spells. Great. But describe to me what this day and a half trip looks like. It is currently afternoon, so uh, you'll be arriving there tomorrow evening, I guess? You know, I think it's a bit of chat in here and there. But then I also think that we have, we've developed a nice relationship to the point where we can have very comfortable silences, regardless of how long they go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, hey, that's what I personally feel. I don't, Jess, please, if you if you feel differently, um, tell, tell the world. 
I'd love to hear it. No, I, I, I would certainly have to agree with that statement there, I think. Okay. So as, as Jess and Bob traverse uh, the plains of, of the wild up towards the northern uh, fingers in and on their lawn, the trek, and, you know, it, it, it's hot and there's sweat. Nope. And we are glowing because nope, we're tanning no, it, at the same it's time. It's not hot. It's not hot. It's, it's about so to be winter. Hot. It's it about to be so winter and you're hot. in the north. You're in the north. It's about it's about to be winter and you're in the north. <laughs> it's so cold. And we're just freezing up. <laughs> you're sweating up from us. the cold. We're sweating from how cold it is. And that sweat is just freezing up on us. So it's just so cold. And we don't know what to do with ourselves. But we do know one thing. is to keep going. So we do just that. And we make sure to feed the horses along the way. We left Gragan behind because... We just had to. He's a bear. We can't bring him along so early. You know, don't want to risk it. We got to sneak. We got to stealth our way through. I'm improvising as long as Jess needs. So you let me know. But we're going on this journey. And as, and as we're as going we- along, uh, <laughs> Jessica, when, once it kind of comes into like nighttime on like after the first half day journey, Jessica suggests that they just pull off to the side of the road and she begins to ritual cast the spell Tiny Hut. (laughs) So that way we can uh, have a nice little relaxing, safe space to unwind, but still look up at the night sky and the stars. Isn't this just a beautiful barb? Oh, yeah. I love me a tiny hut. So it's a 10-foot radius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's this immobile dome of force, and it just kind of springs into existence. So Jessica traced a line in a 10-foot radius in a circle around the two of them. And then she sits down in the center, crosses her legs, and uh, opens her hands, palms facing upward. And this just hint of, like, green mist starts to form at her fingertips and it just flows out from her and fills the radius. As it hits the line, you would think it would pass beyond the line, but it doesn't. It slowly climbs up (gasps) to form the walls of this domed hut. Mm. And then the green solidifies into like, it looks like panes of colored glass. Wow. Wow. And do you guys, I guess you spend the night here? Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? Of course we do. Look at what she did. You guys spend the night in the tiny hut? Are you guys, are you guys chatting or are you just resting? Oh yeah. So uh, I don't know what you're doing, but but you, you, I, you can't I treat can't, someone like I, that. You know what I no, mean? I, but, I agree but, completely. No, I just, exactly. I, you know, it's just absolutely It took a while, but you know what? Eventually she let me put one in there. And and, 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 and as this is going you know, on, it, Jessica's it, it, also it, it, still it perusing just, her spellbook. And she goes, oh, this would be a good one. I think this this would be helpful. It was beautiful. Um, you know, oh, at the end I, of the day, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful event. I'm sure it was very beautiful. But, you know, everything got turned upside down once Jerry came along. And I was just like, Jerry, who, who, who are you? Why are you here? You know what I mean? But it's fine. You know, whatever. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Right? Anyway, I'm pooped, Jess. I'm going to, I'm going to hit the hay. As you guys are having this conversation, you feel the ground tremble. Oh. Oh, my. Oh, it happens again. And outside, through the, the panes of colored glass, you see a giant walking past. And you just hear, Whoa, that's a tiny hut. 
as he walks away, and Tony, almost out of some sort of instinct for some reason, begins sweating. <laughs> and uh, Popcorn kind of nuzzles up against him, and and then he he slowly begins to breathe more calmly. Goes, <laughs> and then they both kind of uh, actually like lay down outside the tiny hut and seem to fall asleep. Aww. I love, you know, really telling a story here. Aren't they just precious? Yeah. No, they are. They're something. Ah. All right. Ah. And you, uh, I mean, you don't need to, but you may rest for the night as Jessica has prepped her spells. Might as well. Uh, you guys have discussed some plans. And, I mean, it is like the middle of the night already. So I assume this is more of a short rest just until morning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you guys can head on towards Los Marineros. I'm almost done looking through the spells. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, please take your time. And as, as Jess is looking through her book, Bob's going to start packing up, you know, the things that they left out. Mm-hmm. Start putting stuff away, loading up on Tony and popcorn. Uh, she's going to go ahead and give them some carrots, make sure they're ready for the trip ahead. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob's going to look up at the sky. What, what, what does she see when she looks up at the sky? Huh? What do you see? So you're in the fingers right now, and it is about to be winter. So snow is coming down. It's not super heavy, but it's it's a significant amount of snow at this point. And the area that you're in right now, there are a lot of pine trees and birch. And so some of those, you know, like the pines kind of last a little longer, but they're beginning to die as well. And so there's a lot of just kind of bare wood sticking up into the sky. Mm. Beginning to be dressed in snow. Bob is just going to take a look around and she be like, gorgeous. Absolutely stunning. And uh, Jessica looks up from her spell book, having just, um, she had smoothed out a crumpled piece of paper and put it inside the spell book and shuts it and puts the spell book in her purse for if she needed to reference it at any point. And she looks up and sees the beautiful view that Barb had just commented on and goes, oh, wow, you know, sometimes traveling for the work really does have its perks, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I could do this all the time. Well, uh, shall we get going? It's, I think it's getting a little late in the... Well, I mean, I know the sun's just rising, but we should probably get going as well. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, look at me. <laughs> Going on and on about the world. Huh, let's go. Come on. And she's going to get on Tony. And Jessica gets on Popcorn and they carry on. Come on, Popcorn. Let's go. And she gives a, a little playful slap on Popcorn's rear as they start off. Roll a charisma check with disadvantage. Oh, no. Oh, damn. The first one was a natural 20. And the second one was a 17. Wow. I'm rolling quite well today. Ooh. That's nice. Popcorn lets you slap him on the ass. <laughs> As Jessica does so, she kind of goes to Barb and says, You know, this is just... I I know I said it before the last adventure we were on, but I, this is just such an absolute pleasure to be with you. <laughs> well, thank you, Jess. It ha- I will say, you know, it has been some kind of uh, a transition, if you will, me being out here on the field. I, I, I did a lot. I'm sure as you could tell from the lighthouse, you know, my... my, my my office, very organized and tidy because uh, that's where I spent most of my time. So it, it is really, it's a, it's a treat, you know, getting to, getting to explore out here. And I must say, Jess, it, it's a treat to have you with me, you know, really. And I, and I mean that, you know, I, I do. I do mean Bye. that. I do. Yeah, 
I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get to meet a lot of people, you know, face to face, person to person. Uh, you know, Haggy just. Uh, she does like her privacy. Yeah, and, and I. So as do I. I respect that, of course, you know. But there's a time where you just kind of want to get out and explore. So I, I am really grateful, you know, for her to also give me this, uh, this sort of, um, uh, well, how, um, uh, oh my gosh, what's the word? Uh, promotion. This kind of sort of promotion and letting me go out and uh, really, really show, show what I got. You know? I completely understand. So, and, and to do that with someone as kind as you, come on, you know, I, I, oh, I stop. couldn't ask for a better, uh, partner, huh? Partner. Oh, <laughs> partner, yeah. Oh, goodness, I slipped into you there for a second. No, I it's really okay, I do it to you too. It happens all the time, please. <laughs> it happens all the time. Okay. And you all chat and butter each other's biscuits and... Oh, love a good biscuit. Mm. For pretty much the day's ride. And as night begins to fall, it is a, it's early evening. The sun is just setting off the coast. You begin to taste some of that salty air as you enter the finger. And eventually you arrive in Los Marineros. The Fingers has a kind of a mountain range that runs right along it. So there's a lot of that kind of rocky, almost like Colorado-like terrain-ish. Oh. But then there's also the very, like, California coast. And as you arrive, the town is actually covered in a very light snow. But um, it's not even splotchy at this point. It's almost a full blanket. As you are in the very, very last days of falls, winter is quickly approaching. Good job avoiding saying winter is coming. Yes. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. You ride in from the east, so you come in on the western road, and eventually you do see a big, beautiful sign that says, Welcome to Los Marineros. You see the beginnings of buildings, but you still have to ride for probably another, like, 10, 20 minutes to actually enter the town proper. It looks like a very beach town sign, like when you're entering a little town in, like, the Florida Keys, but... It's covered in snow. Yeah, it, it even has that like that tiki font. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. It's so, so the sign is in the tiki font that says "Welcome to Los Marineros," and you ride in on the road. It's this big, beautiful cobblestone road, like big cobblestones, not not pebbles. Like you could stand on one of the stones. It seems to be very nicely laid out. There are those kind of very low wooden fences that come up to like maybe your thigh that are sectioning off different areas of where you presume there would normally be grass. But as you ride in, you take in the town and it seems to be quite full, almost, almost bustling, but not quite. <laughs> You're riding in from the east. And so to the north of the town, you see a couple of things. First, you see a long building. It seems to be shaped like a hut, almost almost like there's a, it looks like there's a rowboat roof to it. Like if you turned up a boat and use it as a roof, mm -hmm. like I mean a really big boat. Wow. And that reads Cups and Cabanas, and it appears to be some manner of restaurant. Then there is an area with a brick wall, actually, that has it sectioned off. It is fashioned to almost be like a fence, so there are gaps in the brick where you can see through. There appear to be tables and some sort of pool and, like, lawn chairs out. And then a very tall structure, uh, several stories tall, and it reads Los Hoteleros, and it appears to be a hotel of some sort. Then, all the way on the west is the shore. 
there's a little bit of sand, but it appears to be mostly a rocky shore, and there are three piers, and you see on each of the piers two big boats with the Crichton Enterprises logo printed on it. So you take it to mean that these are probably the boats that came off the island and have since been docked. Standing guard around the piers, you see what seem to be guards in some sort of uniform along the very middle of the town, so between the docks and the hotel and then another building just beneath it, you see a number of structures. You see a very, very small, it looks like almost a convenience store of some sort that reads Knacks and Snacks. <laughs> you see a little hut, like it's not quite a building, but you know like when you go to the beach in Miami, there's the little huts where you can get a jet ski or like a canoe or whatever you want. Like there's one of those mm -hmm. and it reads Isla Libre Tours with like an exclamation mark <laughs> and it seems to be shut down almost. There are a couple of picnic tables, like those big wooden tables with the benches built into them. Four of them, actually. And then there appears to be some manner of like little stone statue behind the Isla Libre Tours shack. And then just south of Los Hoteleros, so pretty much on the very southeastern block of the town, there's like clotheslines making a big rectangle and then hung on the clothesline are like mason jars with candles lit in them and it's evening so it's giving it this beautiful like glow feel to it mm. and you see a nice printed sign that reads the beer garden there's a little fence like a swinging gate that you can use to get inside but it appears to be an open-air restaurant with a big round kind of bar in the middle and someone seems to be behind it pretty much at almost all of the structures you see people different amounts of people i'm not going to describe them all if you decide to go into any i'll let you know who's there mm. but yes you ride in. You are currently between Los Hoteleros and the Beer Garden, but it's a small town. You can very easily make it anywhere. Okay. Uh, anywhere to maybe leave the horses? Most of the buildings have at least a hitching post. Okay. There seem to be several of them outside of the hotel. Okay. Shall we hitch up right here? Oh, yeah. I, I, I. That shouldn't be a problem, right? I should think not. I don't see a tow-away sign. Okay, I don't see one neither. Okay, well, well, yeah, let's hitch him up right here. Bob's gonna hitch Pony, Tony, whoa, Pony the Tony. Bob's gonna hitch Tony the Pony up that's to the- That's his brother. That's his human brother. His human brother? You know, Pony. Hey, that's Pony. He's his son of Tony. Pony the Tony. Barbara's gotten off Tony the Pony and has hitched him up to the post. We're good. Okay. <laughs> She's off. And Jessica has done the same. Now, are you, should we perhaps do some reconnaissance? See what's going on at the Dax. Should we head right there just to see what's going on and maybe... You know what? I I think I... I forgive me, but I personally would love to hit up that beer-looking garden over... Oh, have a drink unwind after the long travel? Just just, just a quick little drink and then maybe walk our way over to um, one of the docks. Sure, that's that sounds like a great idea. Okay. And uh, Jessica will look both ways before crossing the street and cross over. Twelve caravans the right through, barely missing you. <laughs> they rip into the town, they ride around the middle of it, and they'll rip back out. You have no idea why they were here, but they seem very angry. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we're going to safely cross the street. We look both ways. Okay. Safely. You do so. Safely. Jessica enters the beer garden and looks around to see if, if she should take an open table, if there's someone that is going to seat them or what the heck. And what the happened? <laughs> oh, Lord. 
I haven't even started drinking and it's already getting all tongue-tied. Ooh. So you open the small gate. It's like painted white. It's very pretty. There's the hung up uh, almost fairy lights going on. There are no fairies in the jars. Don't worry. This is very humane. In the center of the garden, you see that big round bar-like structure. And it looks like in the middle of it, where the employee would be working, is this big, it almost looks like a sculpture. But you can tell it's actually just a bunch of like taps that are forming almost this like bouquet of beer taps for you to choose from and then behind the bar you see this big tall blonde man very 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 strong think like conan the barbarian ish and he has a little winter hat on with like the earmuffs and he seems to be covered in a like it's really open you can see his entire torso but he has like a little a little something thrown over his shoulders it almost looks like a scarf and then this very like fuzzy uh, kilt almost then seated at the bar because there are stools around the actual round bar you see this old lizard folk who seems to be in conversation with the bartender very very long white hair there are a couple of tables throughout the garden and then in the garden you see where you assume are plots for usually flowers were not so cold. They all seem to be dying now, so they're just kind of uh, branches right now. But there is one table where you see three dwarves. An older dwarven woman who seems to carry a large war hammer on her back. A teenage boy, younger, he seems to carry like a, a heavy single hammer, almost Mjolnir-like. He's sitting there. And then a... Uh, probably late teens dwarven girl who seems to have a scythe and they're all kind of sitting around a table talking very calmly and then at one of the other tables you see a kobold who is just like barely even conscious he seems to be out of it and he is in this white plate mail armor uh both of you roll a history check for me okay that's a 19. 11 for Jessica. Barb, you see that white plate mail armor, and you actually recognize that it is likely the armor of some of the reclaimers hmm. for the court of the Northern Isles. Okay. Hey, Barb, you know, that that group of three dwarves over there. Yeah, what? Kind of seems like a single mom situation. You know, I, I, wonder, if, uh, I wonder if the father worked on Isla Libre. Ah, uh, oh, wow, sorry, that, that's... Just an observation. No, it's sure. It's not just... necessarily a fact or anything, but... No, I know, it's just what a... I just love that you jumped to it, you know? I just, like, that was just so, you know, who knows, right? But I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have even thought of it. So, nice. Okay, yes. Okay, I see what you're saying. I, I, I could see that with that family, potentially. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then that, you see uh, you see that kobold over there? Yeah. With the white plated armor? Yeah. yeah. So that armor is very uh, very much the armor that the reclaimers of the Northern Isles tend to be suited up with. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, and hey, who's to say that's one of them? But I'm, I'm, I'm just going to point out, they look a little out of it. Okay, so. Okay. Yeah. You know, um thinking about what Hagatha said and, and not to necessarily go like oh here's the first person attached to the court we found mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be this guy but uh, it could be a uh, when when one is drunk it's a uh, 
Perhaps a little bit more uh, easy to persuade someone. Perhaps. So uh, perhaps we buy that uh, fella a drink and see what he has to say about the courts. Sure. Okay. Okay. We could try it out. This has been Your Honor. Your Honor features the vocal talents of Michael Pisani as Jessica Feltra and Amanda Fernandez Acosta as Barbara. The rest of the world is voiced by your DM, Giancarlo Herrera. This episode was edited and sound designed by Giancarlo Herrera. If you'd like to support the show, consider checking out the links in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash Our patrons get access to exclusive perks like our after-the-show show show after the Drimbus, free exclusive merch, bonus series, and the chance to create items for the show or have NPCs named after you. Oh, and don't forget to tweet using hashtag Drimbus to be entered to win a free Dungeons & Drimbus sticker. Thank you so much for listening, and I do declare, I'll see you all next week. Friends, half-orcs, countrymen, lend me your pointy ears. Of Mice and Men and Monsters is a podcast which combines the art and beauty of classic literature with the fun of Dungeons & Dragons roleplay. These episodes are led by me, Kate, your master teacher, which is Dungeon Master meets High School English Teacher. We take on quests in these fascinating worlds, meeting and adventuring with the greatest literary characters of all time, solving puzzles set up by the dubious Dr. Frankenstein. One eye is over there, and the other eye is rolled over there. Exactly right. Hunting Moby Dick alongside Captain Ahab. (laughs) I've rolled a one. Are you rolling? Of Mice and Men and Monsters is a faithful yet irreverent way to interact with the stories which have influenced us for centuries. Plus, it's a much more exciting way to experience literature than writing an essay. Essays don't have swords which burst into flame, or poop monsters hiding in toilets. Anybody got some poop for me? A new episode of Of Mice and Men and Monsters is released every other Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. In the alley, the scent is stronger, overpowering. As I watch, the overhead lamps flicker and wink out one by one. God damn it. No. The girl appears briefly under the last streetlight, the headphones snug against her ears, the Walkman clasped to her hip. She's oblivious as she walks, lost in her own world. Hey, stop! I need to talk to you! Then she's swallowed up by the darkness again. Helen, wait a second! (laughs) It strikes her in the gloom so fast she barely has time to scream. She falls into the edge of the lamplight and lies there, bleeding, motionless. The man's skin is scaly, flaking, and there are patches of soot on his cheeks. He stares at me with eyes like midnight. Eyes that are devoid of remorse, devoid of humanity. 
He's one of them. I turn and run, and I don't look back. The Road of Shadows, a new mystery and suspense audio drama by Mark R. Healy, creator of The Strata. Listen now at theroadofshadows.com. Thank you.